You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Second Corinthians chapter 5 tonight. And uh, we'll just read one verse here. <clears throat> Man, I didn't have time to recover my voice this from the afternoon, so it may be even shorter than I was planning. So uh, don't act so happy. Am I on, brother? Am I on, brother Mike here? Okay. All right, there you go. Second Corinthians 5. We're going to read one verse, and um, this, this verse is kind of a, uh, this is one of those springboard kind of messages. What you're told not to do in Bible college is, is this message tonight. And um, just to give a thought and then, um, then look at some things, I think that could be a help. Some time ago, I began a series on Wednesday nights um, called Baptist Distinctives or Why Baptist. And it's been a, a couple months since we've been able to actually even be in the series. And um, the next one, though, on the list, as I was coming up to this service trying to figure out what the Lord would have me preach. The next one on the list was individual soul liberty. And so if you know your acronym, if you've ever studied the Baptist distinctives as biblical authority is the B, A, autonomy of the local church, P, priesthood of the believers, T, two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, I, individual soul liberty. And, um, and so as we were coming up, that's next on the list. I had not covered that one yet. And then it's 4th of July. And obviously then liberty is is on our hearts, on our minds on a day like today. So I thought, well, let's, let's go to the next, uh, the next sermon in the Baptist Distinctive Series and, uh, and just cover something that I think could be a challenge to us tonight, at least a, and a help to, today when we, as we focus on our, our freedom um, to serve the Lord how we, how we ought to. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says in verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And now turn over to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, and we'll just make you stand for a couple more verses here. Romans 14. <clears throat> It says in verse 5, Romans 14, 5. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not to the Lord he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and the end living. But why dost thou judge thine brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand... Before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. And then verse 12, so then every one of us 
shall give account of himself to you, God. Do you get the idea, reading 2 Corinthians 5 and Romans 14, that your life before God is your responsibility? You have the liberty to serve God how you choose, to whatever level you choose, but you also are responsible to God on your own. And that is the concept behind individual soul liberty. Let's pray, and then we'll get into the message. Father, I, I'm thankful for the day. I'm thankful for freedom. I'm thankful that, we, that you grant us freedom. But I'm also thankful that we live in a country that largely has supported our freedom to worship you how we choose. God, tonight, this afternoon, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to just to see a couple of truths from this thought that we can apply and become better Christians for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, just, a moment, <clears throat> just a moment ago, you know, I think it's, it becomes clear that the, these verses and, and then Romans 14, that every person is responsible for their life before God. Um, you will one day stand before God by yourself with no one next to you and you will answer for the way that you lived for God. And I know that you know that, but I just want to remind you of it. That is the idea behind individual soul liberty. You won't stand there, young people, you won't stand there with your parents. I mean, I, I don't know that your parents, I'm not sure how it works. I'm assuming your parents will watch you, potentially, when you stand before God, but they can't answer for you. You answer for yourself. Um, young, the kids in here, you will stand by yourself. Before God and you will answer to God by yourself. That's a sobering thought. Parents, we should raise our children with that thought in mind. You know, as a pastor, I, I often think about that when I'm thinking about things to deal with or should I say something or should I not? I often think, okay, but when they stand before Christ as their pastor, what do I want th them to think about? Because they will stand, you will stand by yourself before God. And really my biggest job is to prepare you for that moment. And I know that sounds like a lot of responsibility. It is. I answer to God for how I pastor Eastside Baptist Church. And I want you to stand before God in the very best way possible. You will, you won't, we won't stand as a group. We won't stand as Eastside Baptist Church. You will stand individually by yourself before God and you will answer for the life you live for God. Uh, in Romans 14, you have really a story or contrast between two men. One, one man sets apart a special day and, and, and treats a day as special to God. The other doesn't. One eats certain food and thanks God for that food. The other person does not. Paul doesn't condemn either man. He says in verse 5, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. And notice that in both those cases, a person has the right to believe as he sees fit. Because every one of us will stand before God by ourselves with no one else there. You know, you, you could say it this way. The, the doctrine of individual soul liberty means a man or a woman has a right to be wrong if they want to. You have the right to be wrong. You have the right to serve God as much as you want or to serve God as little as you want. It's all up to you. And, and I, it, it's an interesting way to say it, that you have the right to be wrong if you want to, because it implies that every one of us has liberty before God, but it also shows that every one of us has responsibility before God. Every, so we have, it, we have liberty to choose what our conscience or our soul dictates is right in terms of living before God, 
but every one of us is responsible to God alone for those choices. It's individual soul liberty. You could say it's also individual soul responsibility. In essence, this Baptist distinctive, it could also be called the doctrine of religious freedom. Uh, religious freedom is we have freedom to read the Bible. We have freedom to interpret the Bible. We have, we have freedom to uh, pray to God. We have freedom to, uh, to serve God. We have freedom to worship God. You have the freedom in this country to be here right now. Every one of us is individually accountable to God, and we are every one of us responsible to God. And we, you know, we might disagree. We, we might have different opinions on things. You might interpret one thing one way, and I might interpret it another. We may have different flavors on things. We might even denounce others outside of these walls. We, we can try to persuade them. But listen, we will never persecute an individual to believe like we believe. And their whole religious systems built on that, and we don't do that because we believe in individual soul liberty. We can exhort, we can argue, we can lobby, but we won't co- coerce. Uh, we can witness, we should teach, but we will not force. We don't baptize infants because the Bible teaches that every person has the freedom to choose for themselves. And you show me uh, a small infant child that chooses to be baptized, it's not happening. On a broad level, we oppose any form of state church. On a personal level, we oppose anyone that says that God can't speak to us except through them. Or that we can't speak to God except through someone else. That's the idea of individual soul liberty. It's individual soul liberty to serve God as our conscience sees fit. And it is individual soul liberty before God because the weight lies squarely on our shoulders. And, and you know, it's, it is a, a series on Baptist distinctives. And Baptists have been all about religious freedom for a long time. If you look at Baptists in the history of America, and I'm not an expert. And honestly, I don't preach on Baptist history very much, and I'm not preaching on Baptist history today as much as I am using it for an illustration to illustrate the truth, individual soul liberty. But if you look at the, the history of Baptists in America, you'll find there haven't been greater proponents of religious freedom in our country than Baptists. The idea of, Bapti- of religious freedom is born out of the doctrine here of individual soul liberty, but in many ways, the ones carrying the banner the longest have been the Baptists. Our Baptist forefathers have embraced it. I, I was reading just this week on some of these. Uh, there's a man named Obadiah Holmes, and maybe you've heard of him. And he was a Baptist in 1651 who was whipped for holding a prayer meeting in his home. And in court, he was told, you have denied infant baptism. You deserve to die. He was beaten so badly that the blood ran down his body until it filled his shoes. And for weeks after he was beaten, he had to sleep on his hands or on his elbows and his knees because of the pain. That's how strongly he felt about individual soul liberty. And that he, he believed that it is vital and a core doctrine to, to a Bible believer. And while Baptists were taking stands like that, other denominations in our early, even in our early American history, were going back to their roots, their English roots, and submitting religion to the state. The Congregationalists were establishing a state church in Massachusetts. Maryland, Maryland, I mean, began as a, as a, a Catholic colony. Connecticut was taxing Baptists and 
confiscating their lands to pay for other denominations. In North and South Carolina and Virginia, they were subjected to the Church of England all over again. And as Baptists were scattered through the colonies, one thing they had in common was refusal to have religion forced upon them or anyone else. The First Baptist Church in America, they say, and, but First Baptist Church of Providence was established by Roger Williams, who had been banished from Massachusetts, Massachusetts because of religious persecution. And meanwhile, in other places, Baptists were being persecuted. And in Virginia, a man named John Ireland was arrested with two other Baptist preachers and imprisoned in Culpeper, Virginia. And they attempted to blow him up with gunpowder. They, uh, they tried to smother him by burning sulfur under his cell. They hired a doctor to poison him. They built a wall to keep him from preaching through the bars outside of his cell. John Waller and Lewis Craig and James Child were dragged before the magistrate of Spotsylvania County in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and they were held for trial and accused of being disturbers of the peace. And one of the prosecutors said about them, these men are great disturbers of the peace. They cannot meet a man in the road, but that they must ram a text of scripture down his throat. I like it. It sounds violent. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying I, I'm, yeah, we just said individual soul liberty. We don't force, anyway, okay, whatever. You know what I mean. They're not forcing it. They're telling people. And you couldn't stop them. Then laws were made against Baptists. And I read some of the laws that I've read about is one preacher per county. He could preach one time in a quarter or in, and in one place only. And they changed it where he could preach once a month, but never at night. Changed other laws and said there could be no mission work, there could be no revivals. And yet, meanwhile, people, men like Thomas Jefferson were attending Baptist churches as young men and seeing, wow, this is the form of democracy we should establish our country's government after. Many of the freedoms we enjoy in our country can be credited to the influence of Baptist people um, upon our founding, I mean, from our founding fathers, uh, their influence on them. President George Washington, in, in 1789, he wrote to the United Ch- Baptist Chamber of Virginia and, and, uh, regarding the First Amendment to our Constitution and said, Every man conducting himself as a good citizen and being accountable to God alone for his religious con- opinions ought to be protected in worshiping the deity according to the dictates of his own conscience. You know, plenty of our forefathers were arrested and persecuted, and I'm not even going back uh, to the days of Constantine uh, with the state church, the Roman church back then, and all the persecution in our Baptist forefathers, uh, how they died, they were burned at the stake, and they were, they were tortured, and they were arrested, and persecuted, and suffered, and they died for our right, this distinctive, to have individual soul liberty that every person can choose for themselves. It's not, it's not just something that we say we believe in, it's part of the lifeblood that we have. I was reading um, Clarence Sexton, Pastor Clarence Sexton. He, he put out this uh, years ago, uh, John Bunyan, um, his trial transcript. Of course, you know John Bunyan is the man that gave us Pilgrim's Progress, a classic Christian book. And there's some debate about whether John Bunyan was a Baptist. That's not the point. Um, whether or not he was, he was, he was very much, he very much embraced individual soul liberty. He spent much of his ministry being targeted by the government for his religious practices. 
And so the trial of John Bunyan took place in uh, October of 1660, and he spent 12 years in jail for his convictions about individual soul liberty, and along with his failure to attend and submit to the Church of England, which was the rule of the day, it was the law back then, and then also for preaching God's word. 12 years in prison. During his trial, he stood before Judge Wingate to make his case, and I want to read part of the transcript here. Just, just try to stay plugged in, and we'll make some application here. John Bunyan said, Firstly, the depositions speak the truth. He said, I've never attended services in the Church of England, nor do I intend ever to do so. Secondly, it is no secret that I preach the word of God whenever, wherever, and to whomever he pleases to grant me opportunity to do so. We heard this morning from Brother Ledoux in Sunday school about Jesus Christ and the woman at the well and not missing those divine appointments. And we have many divine appointments every day with other people. And I think very often we miss them because we're not looking for them. Having said that, John Bunyan said, My Lord, there's a weightier issue that I am constrained to address. I have no choice but to acknowledge my awareness of the law, which I am accused of transgressing. Most people would say, not guilty. Well, he said, likewise, I have no choice but to confess my guilt in my transgression of it. As true as these things are, I must affirm that I neither regret breaking the law nor repent of having broken it. I'm going to use that next time I get pulled over. Further, I must warn you that I have no intention in future of conforming to it. Talking about going to the Church of England. It is on its face an unjust law, a law against which honorable men cannot shrink from protesting. In truth, my Lord, it violates an infinitely higher law, the right of every man to seek God in his own way, unhindered by any temporal power. That, my Lord, is my response. The judge said, this court would remind you, sir, that we are not here to debate the merits of the law. We are here to determine if you are, in fact, guilty of violating it. To which John Bunyan said, perhaps, my lord, that's why you are here, but it is most certainly not why I am here. I am here because you compel me to be here. All I ask is to be left alone to preach and teach as God directs me, as however I must be here. I cannot, cannot fail to use these circumstances to speak against what I know to be an unjust an odious edict. Certain speed limits in our city are unjust and odious edicts. <laughs> Judge Wingate, let me understand you. You're arguing that every man has a right given by Almighty God to seek the deity in his own way, even if he chooses without the benefit of the English church? John Bunyan said, that's precisely what I'm arguing, my Lord, or without benefit of any church. I mean, they, individual soul liberty gives a man to be wrong if he chooses to be. Because if the man that chooses to be wrong doesn't have the right to be wrong, then none of us have the right to do whatever we want to do. Judge Wingate, do you know what you're saying? What if Papists and Quakers, what if pagan Mohammedans, have these the right to seek God in their own misguided way? John Bunyan, even these, my Lord. Judge Wingate, may I ask if you are particularly sympathetic to the views of these or other such deviant religious societies? And Bunyan said, I am not, my Lord. And Wingate said, I yet you affirm a God-given right to hold any alien religious doctrine that appeals to the warped minds of men? And John Bunyan said, I do, my Lord. Judge Wingate, I find your views impossible of belief. 
And what of those who, if left to their own devices, would have no interest in things heavenly? Have they the right to be allowed to continue unmolested in their error? And John Bunyan said, it is my fervent belief that they do, my Lord. And Wingate said, and on what basis might I ask, can you make such rash affirmation? And John Bunyan said, on the basis, my Lord, that a man's religious views or lack of them are matters between his, his conscience and his God and are not the business of the crown, the parliament, or even with all due respect, my Lord, of this court. However much I may be, uh, much I, or sorry, however much I may be in disagreement with another man's sincerely held religious beliefs, neither I nor any other may disallow his right to hold those beliefs. No man's rights is in these affairs are secure if every other man's rights are not equally secure well said every one of us has the right to be wrong if we choose to and i don't know that anyone could have said it better those views of on the individual soul liberty they are a key of our baptist distinctives every person can seek god as they please we cannot force our faith or teaching on anyone no no one can be coerced into being a baptist or believing what we believe We don't arm twist, we don't manipulate, and we don't deceive in order to get others to believe what we teach. And I'm thankful to be a Baptist because Baptists throughout history have never been a persecuting body. Never been guilty of forcing others. We believe every man answers to God and God alone. That's individual soul liberty. And our country was built on it. Religious freedom is built on this concept. So so let's get into the application and then we'll wrap it up. So I want you to think about all that we have supporting this truth. First, we have lots of evidence from Scripture. And we could go to verse after verse after verse to support this. I think we all believe it. But second, we have a wonderful legacy from our Baptist forefathers who died for this. They put their lives on the line for this. And third, we have a country that allows us to embrace the religious freedoms granted to us by God himself. And you say, well, our country is going to... I get it. I understand. But for the most part, largely, for most of our lives, we have lived in a country that largely supports our endeavors to worship freely. And when you think about it that way, here's where it gets convicting When you think about it that way, there should be no people on earth more passionate about religious freedom than we are. We have it in scripture. We have it from our Baptist ancestors. We have it it from a country that has largely supported it. And if I was describing then the importance that individual soul liberty should have to us as Americans, as Baptists, as Bible believers, I would say, boy, it's a ten. Meaning, it, we've, got, we've had all that we could, we could ever ask for. And on a scale from 1 to 10, if I'm talking about the kind of individual soul liberty I've been exposed to from my country, and from my church, and from the Bible, from the Baptist forefathers that have, have helped preserve it, I would say I've received a 10. On a scale of 1 to 10, and somebody in a closed country like in the Middle East, I would say they've received a 1. Meaning they may, they may not even have a Bible in their hands. And they, don't, they certainly don't have a country that supports it. And they don't even know probably what Baptist history is all about. So in their minds, if they, if they, they have received a one, and I have received a ten. So let me ask you then through, the, through, uh, through this here. 
is what have you done with that liberty? See, you're in America and you're an independent Baptist and you have the Bible. That's a 10. But I wonder how many people that have benefited from those things that I've mentioned have responded as a 10 Christian. I've received a 10 when it comes to liberty to be all that I want to be for God. And yet my output hasn't been anything close. You know, you have individual soul liberty. You can love God as much as you want on a scale from 1 to 10. No one's telling you not to. You don't live in a country and they say, well, you, can't, you can love God as a 1. No, you could love God as a 12 if you wanted to. It's all up to you. But I would venture to say that the majority of people that benefit from individual soul liberty wouldn't be called a 10 if you labeled their love for God. There'd be lots of 10s when it comes to Americans. There, there should be lots of 10s. When it comes to Americans loving God. But I'm not sure there are. How about church attendance? You would think in our country. With all the benefits that we've enjoyed. When it comes to individual soul liberty. That our country would be full of people that would say. That we would say they're tens. When it comes to church attendance. I mean on a scale of one to ten. They're always there. I mean Sunday school. Sunday morning. Sunday night. Wednesday night. When it comes to being there. There's lots of tens. Until you start looking at the numbers. Or until you drive by softball fields on Sundays. Until you drive by the lake on Sundays. Or go downtown and see the parade that took place this morning, I think, at 10 o'clock on a Sunday. It's interesting. We live in a country founded on freedom to worship, yet most people use their freedom to do anything except worship. Or maybe I should say... They worship everything else. You have individual soul liberty. That means that you can read your Bible whenever you want, however much you want, and to what degree you choose. I mean, I would venture to say that most of us, we probably have more than one copy. I've got one for church, I leave it in the pew. I've got one for the truck, I leave it in the truck. I've got one for the house, I leave it in the house. You know, I don't ever have to carry it anywhere. It's real convenient. And yet there are people in other countries who have received a one in individual soul liberty who'd love to have one copy of your Bible. We could read it however much we want and memorize it however much we want. And I've received a 10 when it comes to liberty in, my, in God's word. But if our, why is our output... Something like a three. It's because we've taken for granted the liberty that we have. We believe in individual soul liberty, but it doesn't mean we don't care about people's souls. Hey, Baptists have been evangelistic historically. I mean, yeah, we believe in individual soul liberty, but we ought to tell everybody we can. Because individual soul liberty means that anybody can receive Christ as they choose. So I want to tell everybody, right? And you would think if you're telling people, like if you're just describing our country to somebody who's never seen anything like it, and you said, listen, in that country over there, they, they have the freedom to worship how they want. They can read their Bible all they want. They have multiple copies of their Bibles. I mean, they can, they can go to church however much they want. They never have to be afraid of anybody stopping them. And not only that, they can literally go out on the streets and they can tell everybody they meet about Jesus Christ if they want to. And people that have never seen it, they might say, like, 
Wow, I bet that country is full of people that are tens for God. People that tell, about, tell other people about Jesus everywhere they go. I bet you find that everywhere, right? Only to be probably sorely disappointed. Because you have freedom to tell anybody on the street that you choose to. We've received a 10 when it comes to the opportunity to present the gospel. And most of us, though, our output isn't a 10. When it comes to living in America, it, we've received a 10. But has your output as a Christian equaled the opportunities you've been afforded? Kind of reminds me of the servant in Matthew 25. The one, remember the one who received one talent from his master and he buried it? And those other two, the one that had five and the one that had two, they went out and they doubled their talents. And they were told, remember what they were told? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yet the one that buried it, he was, he was said, he was called thou wicked and slothful servant. And his talent was taken from him, given to the one with ten, and that servant answered severely for wasting the opportunities he was afforded. My question to you today is what have you done with your individual soul liberty? Because you've received a ten. Has your output been a ten? Does your love for God reflect what you've received as an American Baptist Christian? Because if it's a 10, your output should be close. But I'm not sure all of us love, myself included, we, we got to be careful. It's easy to love other things. Does your Bible reading reflect what you've received as a Christian in America, in an independent Baptist church? You have a 10 opportunity, but, you, but some of us probably have a one output. Does your church attendance reflect what you've received in individual soul liberty? Meaning, you can come anytime you want. Whenever the doors are open, you can be here, you can be in church, you can worship, and you can be a part of this local church body. And yet, does your attendance reflect what you've received? Does your outreach your evangelism, does it, in sharing the gospel, does that reflect the opportunities you've been afforded? I mean, you talk about opportunities, you've been saved from hell. And you live in a country that largely would allow you, if you wanted to go on the, down in downtown Sioux Falls and just go up and down the streets and tell people about Jesus, I'm not saying they'd all be receptive, most wouldn't. But I am saying that our government likely wouldn't step in and make you stop. Does your outreach, does it reflect what you've been afforded? Perhaps no other people have experienced the kind of freedom we've had. Sadly, perhaps no other people in history have, waste, have wasted opportunities like we have. And we must ask ourselves today, what have we done with liberty? What have I done with liberty? If I've received a 10 as a Baptist, as an American, as a Bible believer, and I'm even going to throw this one in there as a pastor's kid, raised in church my whole life. Well, if, I, if the scale was bigger, it'd be bigger for me. If it could go up to 12 or 15 or 20 or 100, I've been afforded all those opportunities. That's, that's the scale that I deserve, that I've received. But if my scale, if I've received a 10, then why is my output 
a six or a four or a two. You know, we're good at saying loud amen when it comes to our Baptist distinctives and we stand strongly for individual soul liberty and we say loudly that we believe the Bible and thus we embrace the distinctive that every man has the right to be wrong. But on this 4th of July, maybe we should be asking if we're the ones that are wrong. Because we've received everything we could ever want to flourish as Christians in our relationship with Christ. But I wonder how many of us have wasted our individual soul liberty. On this 4th of July, Christians have embraced liberty. Most have embraced liberty to play ball or to go to the lake. Or, or skip their Bible reading if they don't feel like it. Or choose what church services are convenient. Or, or take personal liberties in their lives. Liberty to be quiet about the gospel. They have that freedom. They have that choice. Liberty to be more passionate about something else other than Christ. And the point today is not to beat, beat us over the head. It's to help all of us not waste our independence. Because frankly, friends, you don't know how much longer you're going to have it. We usually don't appreciate the things that we have until they're gone. And as we see some of our liberties being removed in certain ways, boy, I can tell you I'm more thankful and more appreciative, but I'm not sure it's really been reflective in my output. I'm just being transparent. Maybe it's time for us to see what's going on in our country and not just say, boy, that's bad, but change. Say, you know what? I don't want my liberty to be gone, and someday it might, so I'm not going to take it for granted anymore, and I'm going to become a 10 Christian. I'm going to be a 10 church attender. I'm going to be a 10 Bible reader. I'm going to be a 10 prayer I'm going to be a 10 witnesser. I don't know none of those are words, but bear with me here. Be thankful for your independence. Enjoy it. Shoot off fireworks. Make sure you have a water hose handy. Enjoy the time with family and friends, the church family. But the best thing you know, the best thing you can do with your independence on Independence Day is say, I'm not, I will no longer take for granted my individual soul liberty to love God as much as I can to seek him with all my heart to serve him with everything that I am to worship him every time I can and to share Christ with every soul that I come across of all the things that you could do today fireworks, family, whatever it is the best thing that you could do is say I make a decision to not waste my liberty. I will use it for Jesus Christ. Will you do that today? Will you just determine in your heart that today on the 4th of July, it's not just about celebration. It's about consecration. And I will give myself to Jesus Christ more than I ever had because he's given me liberty. And I want to use my liberty to make the biggest difference I possibly can for him. Let's stand together. We're going to have a verse of invitation.
And I think we would all agree that we've received a 10 when it comes to our opportunities and our resources. But I would also say probably we would all agree that our output has been less than 10. And in some area where you're not, your output's not matching the input, would you just confess that to the Lord this, this, eve, this afternoon? And would you say, Father, I'm thankful for the 4th of July, but I also want the 4th of July to make a difference in my spiritual life. Say, Lord, would you change me this, this Independence Day? Would you help me to no longer take for granted the 10 that I have received when it comes to serving and loving and reaching in all the other areas. Father, thank you for the truth. I thank you for individual soul liberty. I thank you that every person has the right to choose. Lord, they can be as committed as they want. They can also be as complacent as they want. And I think probably we have some on both ends of the spectrum. I pray that you'd all help us all to be 100% committed to you. Help us not to waste the liberty we've been given. God, help us to commit ourselves to you in a way we've never even, we've never experienced. To take a step that we've never taken in some area, Lord, that we're holding back. Help us to say, no, the gap is too great. I want to be a 10. And help us to fix it, Lord, with your strength and your help. Help this Independence Day to be one that sees change in your people. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.